Well, good morning, everyone. How are you? Doing good? Oh, y'all look so pretty. Everybody looks so pretty. I, I had them turn the lights on so I could see your faces. Like, it's so dark in here. We realized because we put these covers over the garage doors that it changed our light, our, our initial lighting scheme. So we're working uh, towards changing how we house light because we no longer have the house natural house light. But it's also because you guys just wanted to look over and see what's going on in Walmart rather than listening to what's going on in Thrive Community Church. So it's like, we knocked down one thing just to pick up another and, and then another and then another, but it's all good. Hey, you're here, and uh, the Lord's got a word for you. I know that's for sure. He always does. We always have fun here. Uh, I do want to have a, I do have a remind you that uh, there's a mime for Christmas. There's a mime uh, audition, audition right here at 1 p.m., and so the ages are eight and up. So if you're like in your 80s and you're like, I, I still have a chance to do this, you do have a still, you still have a chance to do this, and so don't worry. Today's your day. Uh, also, the purple book. This might be a little hot. Is it a little hot? The microphone? Too loud? No? Good? Maybe I just don't like hearing myself sometimes. All right. So the purple book right here, uh, purple book right here, we're all going through it. We just finished chapter one, if you're with us. Anybody still with us? Yes. Oh, this is good news. 15% of the church is with us still. <sighs> Let me tell you, this is an average for many things across the board. <laughs> 15% of the church is growing. Hallelujah. Hey, but anyway, we did finish chapter one. Catch up. We've only been through one chapter. There's only five lessons, four lessons, four lessons, five lessons. Thank you very much. Five lessons. So good news. Only five weeks behind. You can catch up, though, today if you get yours. And only for a simple price of $1.99. Not really. You can take it. If you need it, you take it. We want you to be discipled. Somebody else is already donating, or if you feel led to donate to the Purple Book Discipleship back here in the black, book, the black box. Well, we're getting into, we just finished with sin and salvation, and boy, we're getting to those good, the good stuff. Lordship and obedience. Woo! Everybody loves that, that both of those. And it's always obvious in your lifestyles. And so, <laughs> I want to remind you, too, that in two weeks, our building will be closed, but the church will not. We'll be meeting at the Kane Center. Anybody know what the Kane, where the Kane Center is? If you don't know where the Kane Center is, Google it. Put it in ways. You'll find your way there. But we want you to be there at 6 a.m. All right? Sounds good? Okay, see you then at 6 a.m. All right, if you haven't signed up or registered, go ahead and, and do that. Find a way to do that. I, actually, I think they took in the, the sheets, but tell, uh, ask, uh, ask around, Deb. Deb, raise your hand. There's Deb right there. Everybody look at Deb over here in the corner. Woo! She's not a, it's not a praise wave. That's a, hey, I'm Deb. And so let her know. She'd love to help you get signed up, plugged in, et cetera. So we're, we are ready to start training here soon. All right, we are in our series, Decrypted, Decrypted. And what the purpose of this is, is to discern the will of God for our lives out of the word of God. Sometimes it feels like it's encrypted, like it's a bunch of jumbled letters like you see on the screen, and I don't understand it. I can't, is this a different language? Is this text and tongues? What is this? 
And yet, no, it's not. This is just God's word, and he's trying to, what we're going to do and what we're doing is decrypting, meaning we're taking things that seem so difficult to understand, and we're breaking it down, making it super simple, because God's word really is simple, and we're putting it cookies on the bottom shelf. And we're using the story of Nehemiah, chapter of uh, the book of Nehemiah, it's in the Old Testament, true events that took place. But as many things are in the Old Testament, there's very spiritual truths for us on this side of the cross. We call them types and shadows. There's natural happenings, but there's spiritual realities for us as we live here and now today in 2022 and beyond. And so we've talked about in approaching God's will, we had to start with the foundations and we, we started in the beginning in Nehemiah and understanding that God has adopted us one, pr primarily, he has adopted us, we're, but then we're adopted us into uh, his family. So that's good news. Now we're members of his household. We're adopted into his family. We're members of his household. And as these are Ephesians 2.19, and we are citizens with the saints in his kingdom. This is good news. It all starts with belonging, understanding your belonging, your purpose, and your identity. If you don't know who you are. You'll always be walking around confused, and you'll always be a reflection of the person that's most impactful to you in the moment. And if you don't know what your purpose is, you're always going to be trying to do something out of your own will, trying to do what you think is best, rather than finding what you've been created for, Ephesians 2.10. And if you don't know where you belong, you're going to find yourself house hopping, going to a bunch of different houses, wondering, do I belong here? Do I belong there? I'm, I'm visiting different places that, man, maybe I'll belong here. But no, because it's trying to find belonging in the wrong place. And so God answers those three in one verse in Ephesians 2.19. But we see how, God, how Nehemiah had a burden for his people in Nehemiah 3 and a burden for God's kingdom, for Jerusalem, because the walls had been torn down. They had been in exile for 70 years, and now they're finally able to go back and go to Jerusalem out of Babylonia, and yet no one is doing anything to restore God's glory, glorified city. Like you would get a little frustrated, right? I mean, if you love God, it's got to it's got to inspire you to move at some point, and that's really the reality for us right now. The world is the way it is, and yet God has given his people an answer, and there's something inside of us that needs to be awakened to be inspired to be the change. And in doing so, we discover our belonging purpose and our identity in Christ, and then we realize, well, wait a minute, it's not about us, and it really is all about him, but what does that look like? And so we talked about restoring freedom. That was, that was week two. We talked about the five basic memories of uh, ministries of Jesus: deliverance, uh, salvation, emotional healing, uh, physical healing, and spirit. A spirit did I say spirit baptism? Then oh, okay, then spirit baptism. There's five right there. And then we talked about shepherds. It's God's will for us to have shepherds. Watch out for false shepherds. Have a good shepherd, but then remember, there's a great shepherd. Shepherds are a part of God's plan. He said, I will set, upon, set over you shepherds according to my heart. So shepherds are, are God's plan for our lives because of covering. And we're going to talk about covering again today because God's always about covering. That's where his protection is. And then we talked about love. 
It's God's will for us. These are all God's will. These are all general will items. Like you can't walk in and discover your specific will and flourish in it until you start to accomplish the general will items. Like these are, these are no longer big mysteries. These are basic, basic uh, principles. Everything that we're doing. Like I can't walk in my specific calling and not love you. Does, does that make sense? Like I can't walk in my specific calling and not allow a shepherd to shepherd me. I can't walk in my specific calling, God-given calling, and not know that my purpose is in him and what he's created me for, or that I belong in the kingdom of God, or that my identity is in Christ. It just won't work. I will mess you up. Because it's coming out of me and from me, and it's about me and what I get rather than what I can give. That's when you start to walk in your specific calling, but you gotta get these general calling things. You gotta decide, I'm just gonna do it. It's all by faith anyway, I'm just gonna do it. And then fishing, you gotta fish by faith. You gotta cast those nets, and you gotta bring people in, and you gotta make disciples. This, if you don't like people, you're not gonna find your specific will. <laughs> Y'all heard the, the joke, the guy gets up in the morning, he's like telling his wife, you know what, I don't even know if I want to go to church today. Like, I don't know, like, I don't like the place, I don't like the people, and I don't even think they like me. And she's like, uh, let me give you one reason why you are going to church, you're the pastor. <laughs> and so today is black. Y'all can laugh. It's okay to laugh in church. It's okay. It's, it's not, this is not where you get, into, it's not stoic in nature here. Hmm. Blessing is God's will. You're going to need laughter. Nehemiah 13, 1 through 2. On that day, they read from the book of Nehemiah. We're in chapter 13. We, we skipped over a bunch of genealogy, chapters of genealogy. We could sit here and read a bunch of names, but it'd be hard for me to really teach from that. So if I can just skip to the next part. So they, they've re, they're, they're starting to restore, and this is where they're at this place where, okay, now we got to deal with temple things. And then Nehemiah uh, comes in, and here's what he's saying in chapter 13. On that day, they read from the book of Moses in the hearing of the people, and in, in it was found written that no Ammonite or Moabite should ever come into the assembly of God. Now, this is in the denomination, the assemblies of God. That's not what he's saying. The assemblies of God didn't exist at this point. So it's the assembly, the gathering of the people of God. Because, verse 2, because they had not met the children of Israel with bread and water, but hired Balaam against them to curse them. To curse them. However, our God turned the curse into a blessing. And this is something you need to know. When we're talking about restoring what belongs to God and discerning God's will for our lives, God turns curses into blessings. When you're under the curse, though, you can't understand the blessing. And so with God, in his will, according to his will and his ordinances, he turns curses into blessings. This is a principle you've got to get before we move forward. But before he does, there's things that must be put back into order. Nehemiah 4, 13, through 13, verse 4. Now before this, Eliashib, the priest, having authority over the storerooms of the house of our God, was allied with Tobiah. Now Tobiah was an adversary. 
he wasn't really down with this thing of them restoring Jerusalem, the, key, the, the, the city where God's glory would dwell. And he certainly wasn't down with the temple being restored because he knew that there would be sacrifices made there, and that's not good for Tobias' business. And so, verse 5, and he had prepared for him a large room where previously, not anymore, not in the current situation, but previously before this, they had stored the grain offerings, the frankincense, the articles, the tithes of grain, and new wine and oil, which were commanded to be given to the Levites and singers and gatekeepers and the offerings for the priests. But during all this, I was not in Jerusalem. This is Nehemiah speaking. For in the 32nd year of Artaxerxes, king of Babylon, I had returned to the king. Then after certain days, I obtained leave from the king. Verse 7. And I came to Jerusalem and discovered the evil that Eliashib had done for Tobiah in preparing a room for him in the courts of the house of God. And it grieved me bitterly. Therefore... I threw all of the house, household goods of Tobiah out of the room. Then I commanded them to cleanse the room, and I brought back into them the articles of the house of God with the grain offering and the frankincense. I also realized that the portions for the Levites had not been given them, for each of the Levites and the singers who did, not, who did the work had gone back to his field. So I, contacted, so I contended with the rulers and said, why is the house of God forsaken? And I gathered them together and I set them in their place. Then all, Ju all Judah brought the tithe of the grain and the new wine and the oil to the storehouse. He said, if this is going to work and we're going to be blessed, then we've got to do it God's way. So let's just get rid of this adversary that we have allowed into the treasury of God's house. You've got to get this. It's a very natural situation, but it has very spiritual meaning. The person, the men of God, have made a deal with the adversary of God and have allowed him into the treasury, the storehouse of God. This is going to make sense. Now, he has been gone for a year, and when he returns, the first thing he notices is that the tithes and the offerings are not being brought into the house. The priests, the Levites, the singers, those who are supposed to be ministering to them, they can't even minister because they've got to go out in the fields and do work. Could you imagine coming to church and there's a sign out front, there's no lights, and there's no people ministering, there's no people leading worship, and there's no, no person uh, teaching or pastoring, and you come in and sit down for a little while, and then you leave because this place is boring. You couldn't even feel the presence of God. Because there was no tithe, and there was no place to put the tithe. Tobiah had made a deal with the priest, and he was living in the treasury house, the treasury room, the storeroom. And so Nehemiah throws all the junk out and confronts the ruler saying, guys, what, you, what, you've done, what you've done is extremely wrong. You have taken what should be used for God's house and you're using it for yourselves and we're going to get this back into order. Now this is talking about bringing the tithes and the offerings into the church to give to God. Nehemiah 13, 14, and this is what every pastor says on Sunday afternoon after leaving the church building. Remember me, oh, God, oh my God, concerning this. Do not wipe, away, wipe out my good deeds that I have done for the house of my God and for its services. He said, I told him. That's all, that's my part. <laughs> I told him. Don't, don't make me punish, be punished for it, Lord. But here's the key. Here's the first question we're going to ask. Why did God tell his people to tithe? Why did God tell his people to tithe? 
People didn't invent the tithe. God invented the system. The tithe actually began before the law, and the law grafted it in. Did God think that this was the only way that he could financially keep his church running? I think God instilled the system of the tithe because he's a good father. And like any good father, a good father wants to teach and bless as they're teaching their children how to have character. And so I think it's all around a heart issue that God is using a tithe, something that's connected to us, to develop character in our hearts. Good fathers love to see generosity in their children rather than selfishness. Anybody have children and they're, and they're always saying, no, that's mine. If, I, it, it, yeah, Nathan, you're probably the one that says that's mine. And, and you want them to share, you want them to get along, you want them to have, have favor with one another, but instead they're mine. Naomi lost another tooth, and you know how it goes. She got $5 from the tooth fairy, and I said, remember, this is a third tooth. We, have, we give God his part, but it's mine. I'm working on it, but generosity just it doesn't come natural. It's mine. But, we, but to, uh, the best understanding, though, is that God is trying to teach us character, his children character, because he wants to bless character. Just in the same way, I want to bless my kids when I see them being generous or sharing because it's a heart matter, and I want to bless the character of the individual. But when we see them become selfless, our kids selfless and generous, it causes us to want to reward them even more. I, there's something about it that wants me to unlock a release, something back to them, something more, because I feel like they can be trusted with the thing that they've already been given. Hebrews 11:6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is. Faith requires me to believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God is a rewarder and he is a good father. He rewards our diligence and faith. So I've got to, I've got to understand that. He is. Well, if he is, then he is going to do what he says he will do. Any, any place I struggle is going to be an argument around those facts. Uh, Matthew 7, 9, and 11 says this. Or what man is there among you who... If his son asks for bread, we'll give him a stone. Or, keywords or in here, if he asks for fish, we'll give it, he will give him a serpent. I love to buy my kids things and see them full of joy and gratitude. I also know that the reality is this didn't originate with me. The fact that I want to bless my kids actually was put inside of me from my creator. Because I know my creator wants me to be blessed. I know he wants to bless me. I also know that because of the same fact, when I'm obedient to the things of God and diligent towards him, he rewards and blesses me. When my kids are obedient and diligent in doing the things I've asked them to do, I reward them, I bless them, I bless their obedience. I bless their diligence. And I know this and can trust God's nature because God doesn't go against his nature. So I've got to build a framework of trust, which is faith, to who he is, 
and he does what he says he will do. That's got to settle in my heart if I'm going to find my gen- the general will, I'm sorry, the specific will. These are general will items so that it can become narrowed and very clear what God has created me for and called me to do so that I will walk out a completely fulfilled life on earth. These are all God's plans, by the way. When Jesus was preaching this during the Sermon on the Mount, let me show you what happened before the or. Remember, or you being. Wouldn't you? Or. But before that, Matthew 7, 7 and 8 says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open. Then he says, or. He says, if you ask, you will receive. Then according to Jesus, you have to do something before you receive. You see it? Jesus did not say, even if you do nothing, God will bless you. Girl, just sit on the couch. You just wait for that phone call to ring because what's that guy that used to sell? Like, like the car, the, there was like some kind of sweepstakes. I just wait for my phone to ring. I'm going to get that million dollars. Super, what is it? Somebody, what was it? Ed McMahon, what was it called? Publishers Clearinghouse. Come on, Publishers Clearinghouse. The Lord's going to bless me today. Lord, help us. It's a lie. No, because God, God is a good father, not an enabler. Oh, I'm going to hit some heartstrings today because we got some people that love their enablers. And whoo, don't mess with my enabler. God uses them to bless me so I don't have to do nothing. That's a lie. And a good father teaches us he blesses. To be saved, you have to ask, right? It doesn't just fall on me. It's all by grace. I can't work for it, but I do have to ask or I do have to receive it because grace is all salvation is there for everybody, but not everybody's receiving it. So there's something that I have to initiate. I have, I have a part in this thing. It's the same with the tithe. To be saved, you have to ask, to, you have to receive. One of the stipulations of blessings is to tithe. I want to be blessed in all things. Well, the tithe is the stipulation. Fathers have a special interest in solving problems. Uh, in fact, in our households, we are the, 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 the chief problem solvers. We're, we're the CPS. Like, we go around just fixing stuff. We're expected to fix stuff. I'm a chief, chief problem solver of trying to fall, solve mysteries of, I don't know where that is. I don't know what happened to it. <laughs> or, um, I don't know what happened to that. It was like that when I found it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But not when I left it. But I, then there's this one family member that I, oh, I'm also called the, chief, I'm called the best butt wiper. So anywhere in my house, at any time, day or night, I may hear, best butt wiper, and I know that I'm supposed to go to a bathroom to wipe a butt. I'm the best. And I have one family member in my house, true story, I'm not lying. I have one, uh, either one of these, I have one family member in my house that when they have a problem, I want to go fix it and I'm trying to solve it. And, and, and the only thing I get back is, listen, I don't want you to fix it. I want you to, Who you know who that is, don't you? The beauty of God is... 
He can solve your problems. Listen, the beauty of God, y'all got to get this. He can solve your problems and he can sit around and listen to you all day long. That's good news. Woo! <laughs> and in fact, finances are the easiest of all issues for him to solve. And they're the fastest for humanity. We see that the fastest because we can see it in numbers. We can see it in our bank account. We can see it in our finances. We can see it and we think that way. But that's not all that he solves. He solves children problems. He solves relationship problems. He solves marriage problems. He heals emotionally. But he also can solve financial problems. And I've seen it all. And here are the two greatest biblical principles that when when in action, they bless you abundantly. Live below your means and tithe. Matthew, Matthew Starkey's back there, like, Harkey's like, yes, live below your means and tithe. He's a little bookkeeper. Go see, go see him. He'll help you with that right there. He's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> but nothing is better than testimony. Is there anybody in here that's ever tithed and watched God bless them? Anybody? Yeah. Look around. And you can tie the two. You can link the two. And you get it. And when you get on the side of that, it's, it's an easy ordinance. It's a normal practice. Has God blessed anyone in here? Yes, absolutely. Would, would we admittingly say it? Absolutely, when we get on that side of it. I remember giving, I, there's, there's several testimonies, but one that always sticks out to me is there was a college boy I used to mentor about five, I mean, oh, oh, 10 years ago, nine years ago. He had come to our house on the back porch, and I'd just, I'd men, just mentor him. Whatever questions he had, I'd just help him line up with the Word of God. Anyway, I was taking him back to the dorm one night, and the Lord said, give him $100. You think, well, that's not a whole lot. Well, for me, at that time, we were tight budgeted. We had a child on the way, and we had a, had a, well, I was the only person working, so I go in there. Allie's asleep. I said, hey, I think the Lord told me to give him $100. Can I do it? Yeah, yeah. Just leave me alone. She didn't say that last part. So I gave him $100. It broke the heart in a good way of this young man. I don't know what's going on in his life. He knew. And the gratitude, the gratitude that he had when I told him, hey, listen, I feel like the Lord told me to do this. Do you know, and I can connect these two, that I ended up, someone gave me $1,000 not a week later. And I'm not talking, it's not always about money. But what happened was this young man who's longing for Jesus and to grow in Jesus, he sees the generosity of a Christ follower who listens to the Lord, blesses him. Who di- I didn't know his financial needs, but blesses him, breaks his heart so that he falls in more intimate love with Jesus. And then God says, I can trust you. Some of you are not getting it, but one day you're going to get this. Amen. But my marriage... And parent, uh, and parent relationships are stronger and healthier because I tithe. Uh, you are a reward of my tithes and offerings. People, to God, money is not true riches. His word says people are true riches. So me getting to minister to you is my reward from my tithes and my offerings. Because I get to give to you so that you can, in turn, find a deeper relationship with Jesus. 
That's what it's about. My emotions have been healed because I tithe and I bring my offerings in. Because where your heart, your treasure is, so too is your heart. And if God doesn't have your treasures, then when he speaks to you about the matters of your heart, you will not listen. Because it has no value. And if his voice had value, it would, you wouldn't struggle with the fact that, okay, he's just asking me to bring back 10% that's not even mine. In fact, it's his anyway. The people were re revealing in their hearts that had, they had grown selfish during their time in bondage during, during exile. They just became self-focused. And even though they were now free, they were still living as self-centered lives. And this is exactly what bondage does. It convinces you that you're living the most free life that you can possibly live until you, by faith, get on the other side of it. And then you realize, dang, I was in bondage. But bondage will never tell you how in bondage you are. It just convinces you that you're good. Everything is perfect. It's the world's fault that everything's falling apart. But you just keep doing what you're doing. Bondage. God is a good father, and if he can save us and set us free from eternal punishment, then he can certainly bless us if we, by faith, follow him in the tithe. Number two, why is there a curse? Nehemiah 13, 2 says, Because they had not met the children of Israel with bread and water, but hired Balaam against them to curse them. However, here's the key point, our God turned a curse into a blessing. You ever heard anybody say that, oh, in the Old Testament, God was mean and angry, and he just wanted to hit you over the head with a, with a bat. And, but in the New Testament, he's full of love and grace and mercy. No, no. God was always full of love and grace and mercy. God has never changed. He can't change because he is perfect. Look at this in Malachi 3, 6, and 9. For I'm the Lord. I don't change. Therefore, you are not consumed. <laughs> like, my grace is you don't die. Hallelujah. Verse 7, yet from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances and you have, and have, kept, have not kept them. By the way, an ordinance means it's an ordinary practice. This is not an extraordinary thing. This is a very basic thing. But it's a general will thing that until we get over this thing and past this thing and decide upon this thing, that we're not going to walk in the fullness of the, of the will of God for our lives. It is an ordinary practice. We want to get to the or extraordinary things, but we have to get over the ordinary things. Until we get over the ordinary things, we can't see the extraordinary things. And guess what? Your calling, the calling, specific calling on your life is going to require extraordinary because if it's just ordinary, you don't need God. You can do that on your own. And go have, a fun, have fun with it. Good luck. But it will not be fulfilling. Return to me, he says, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return to you? Again, bondage statement. What do you mean? I haven't gone anywhere. I'm right here with you. When God says, hey, you need to repent or you need to return back to me, I might need to listen to his, to his explanation of what I need to return from. But they're like, for what? Like, what do you mean? And look how God frames his answer. Verse 8. 
Will a man rob from God? You have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. Nine, you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. By the way, he didn't say, I'm going to curse you. He said, when you walk out from the covering of my ordinary principles, you walk into a curse. You get out of my covering and you walk into a cursed area. He is not cursing you. You're choosing curse because you don't want to be under the covering of God. He says, and I'm pleading with you to return back to my principles, and this is just one of them. This is just one area. So why is there a curse? It's super simple. Even my lost dad drilled this into my head. Never trust a thief and never trust a liar. Simple enough. Anybody want to hang out? Hey, I can't wait to find a new thief to go hang out with. <laughs> is stealing wrong? Is stealing from God wrong? Okay, so one is bad, one's badder. Like, it's not good. So why is there a curse? According to God's worldview, not tithing is stealing. This is God. Why do you rob God? How do I rob God? By not bringing in the tithes and offerings. Why in the world would not tithing be stealing from God? Look at this in Leviticus 27:30. And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. Holy means to be set apart. It all belongs to God, but by his grace, he lets you steward the other 90%. When you bring in the first 10%, it is blessed. It covers the rest. Covering means it's not under a curse. It is protected. It is under God's favor, under God's grace, under God's blessing. It all belongs to his, but he says, hey, why don't you steward well this 90% that is blessed now that you brought in the 10%, the part that's set aside for me, his word. When God says it is holy, he means it is set apart for him. And when you keep it, you're stealing from God. You can't steal what belongs to you, so either God is right or you are right, but both can't be, be right. It is holy, meaning to be set apart from your spending and used to, to being brought in to the church to God. You don't give to the church. Did you know that? You give to God through the church. Well, that messed with some of the rest of you. Well, I don't like that. You're giving to God in the storehouse where you get ministered to. And by keeping it, you are robbing God of the 10% and the ability to bless the 90% according to his ordinances. Like, I can do, I can do well on my own. No you, no, you can't. And you place yourself under a curse from Satan. God is not cursing you. You are placing yourself under a curse. Deuteronomy 30, 19. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. He says, I am setting ordinances before you so that according to your choices, you will be blessed or you'll be cursed. It's up to you. Isn't that nice that it's in our own control? 
He's in charge, we're in control. Otherwise, we don't have free will. So he gives us options. He gives us life or he gives us death. You can choose life and be blessed or you can walk out from under the covering and see how that goes. And this is in all things in our lives. Specifically, we're talking about the tithe today. When you went away from me, he said, when you, when you went away from me, from my ordinances, my principles, you placed yourself under a curse. I didn't do it. You chose it. We have to understand. But let me show you how great God is. When you choose the wrong road, God will put road signs. He'll put potholes. He'll allow nails and all kind of uh, logs in the road. And hopefully your axles break and your wheels can't turn anymore. And you'll finally realize, well, maybe I'm on the long, wrong road. Yes, you're on the wrong. Come back. Come back and we'll get all that stuff fixed. It'll be no problem. It's his grace that you don't die. <laughs> like it's his grace that... By grace, he's drawing us back in. Yes, he allows. We get out from under the covering. We're, we're finding these difficult situations. It's problematic. Stuff's breaking. Relationships are going bad. I'm stressed. And all of a sudden, I realize, well, maybe, maybe I'm on the wrong path. And I, I come back to God and I decide to do it his way. That's his grace. And the reason that God does this is that there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. Death. God knows that what's down that road, and he's hoping you will listen on your way down it and return back. Sorry, I'm watching the time. We have three different times going on here. And many think they are living their best life now and they're most blessed, but in reality... It is God. God has even more for you. Like, I'm good. Yeah, you're really good on your own, but can you imagine how much more blessed you would be if you just returned the tithe? Psalms 119.67 says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. You see that? Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now because of the affliction that's going astray, I, I want to keep his word. These are really simple ordinances. Number three is this, why is there a blessing? I just kind of have to hang tight for a second. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, verse 10, Malachi 3. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this. God says, test me now. Like there's a place where you can test him. <laughs> that there may be food in my house. Try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Like that right there, like I'm good. That's, what I, that's, that's your promise? Amen. But it gets better. Who wouldn't want the windows of heaven opened up and there be so many blessings I can't even keep it? I can't even store it up. There's a purpose for that because he wants you to be an overflow so that you can be generous to those who are in need. But he can't. He can't cause you to be an overflow because of the little 10% you're struggling with. But then he says, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. Like you're work, working and laboring and laboring and all of a sudden you get it and stuff just breaks down. Like you got health issues that doctors can't even diagnose. Stress is causing you so stressed. You're, I got to go to the doctor to get a prescription to handle this. But if I would just. 
I'm outside of the covering. My marriage just won't get in order. Like, she's a problem. He's a problem. Maybe it's because God doesn't have your hearts. And when he speaks to you about how to handle a marriage, you don't listen because you don't even listen to him about the, the treasure. You got, you got wrong treasure. So that I will, he will just... He will not destroy the fruit of your ground, the devourer he's talking about, nor the, shall the, the vine fail to bear fruit. Remember, we're the vine, and we can bear fruit because of what Jesus does, but if what Jesus does doesn't matter because he doesn't have our heart, then we can't bear fruit. And so we wither away when it gets tough. We want to run from the situation. We compound problems on top of problems. Like I got no staying power. My faith is not built up. It hadn't been tested. So I have no patience. I'm not bearing up anything. I'm scattered. I'm everywhere. Why don't you just give your heart and return to God what belongs to Him and get out from under the curse and into the blessings? And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. And somebody's like, oh, I wish she would be more delightful. I wish he would be more delightful. More fun to be around. And some will say, I don't tithe because it's not in the New Testament. Let me tell you, I can show you all through the New Testament the tithe is there. I can show you where Jesus says in red letters for all those King James readers, you ought to tithe. Yeah, Jesus said it. I can show you what what really Paul is meaning in 2 Corinthians 9 when he's talking about being a cheerful giver, where some of you say, that's why I give 2% and cheerfully, whoo-hoo, because I'm robbing God of the other 8%. You're not cheerful. I can show you all through those things, all, all through Scripture. And these all ought to be enough reason to bring the tithe into the church to give to God. Ought to be enough, just blessings. And the devourer comes off my back. I'm tired of the devourer being on my back. I'm tired of the stress. I'm tired of the fighting. I'm tired of the bickering. I'm tired of the tension. Every 10% every tither that I know says the same thing. Man, I'm blessed. I am so blessed. Humbly because they know that their money and their livelihood comes from God. And all the non-tithers give me one of, the, one, of the, one of two testimonies. One is, I can't afford to tithe. Let me just say, you can't afford not to tithe. Let me say this, you never will be able to until you tithe. And the other one is, because they're so wealthy, well, that's just too much. It's not. The poor widow gives the same 10% as Warren Buffett gives. It's, it's 10%. It's the same amount of money. That's why Jesus would stand over the offering bucket the offering basket and watch because he wasn't seeing how much you're going to put in there. He was seeing if he had your heart. It would be evident. But if he has your heart, well, he can steer you in the righteous path. He can steer you in the blessed path. He can steer you in the perfect will of God for your life. He can steer your family away from trouble, from trial, from major health issues. He can steer you. You'll listen then. 
He can guide you into success. He can guide you into the right occupation. He can guide you through the right decisions. He can guide you to the right creativity. He can guide you. He can convince your boss to, boss to give you a raise. He can do it. Because he works all things together for those who are called according to his purpose. But they got to love him first. That's the stipulation in the middle of that verse. And my love says that, man, it's, it, this stuff doesn't matter to me. You matter. Genesis 12, 2, this is the father of our faith. He, faith. He's talking to Abraham. Abraham is the father of our faith. We're, we're children of Abraham. These are all scripture terms. He says, God says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. It's God's will for our lives that we be an overflow of blessing, and he makes it really simple. These are ordinary principles. These are his ordinances. Yes, these messages cause people to leave the church mad at this guy right here. That's why Nehemiah says, hey, remember me. I told him. But you're not mad at me, and I know it. The word is hard to receive sometimes. But I'm, I'm telling you, I'm trying to save your lives. I want you, this is the key of being a blessing. This is why God wants to bless you. So the people that you run into in the world and life who are struggling, who are hurting, who are wounded, because you found the path to blessings because some dude like me told you and you actually listened and the Holy Spirit drew you through all of it, all of a sudden now you know the path to blessing and God's gonna put you in the position of people in the life, in the presence of people who need your help or need help. And now, because you found the path to blessings, you can help them on their path to blessings without being an enabler. So God can actually be God to people now. And they don't have to depend on you. And now you made a disciple instead of a dependent. Hallelujah. I got a lot more, but let me just finish this. The Lord just kind of put this on my heart this morning. James 1:25. I'm reading James right now. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, do you know God's ordinances are the perfect law of liberty, not bondage? When we don't apply them, we're in bondage. We're actually in bondage to the law, but when we apply them, the law of liberty is at hand. Because I'm free and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. Oh, I tithe because he, he wore me down enough just to give this weekend, but I ain't doing it again. <laughs> oh, I know you. Forgetful hearer, but, not, but a doer of, not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. That's what we want. But we got to do our part. It's simple ordinances. It's ordinary principles. Get out of bondage. Get into freedom. Experience a, experience a lifestyle of generosity. Obedience. Lordship. Favorite words. This is called a disciple. Let me pray for you. I actually want to pray for three people groups that are on my heart. For those who have been lying awake at night stressing over finances.
know the Lord's got an answer for you. You know who you are. Sleep is so much better than worrying about finances. The other group is for those struggling with the amount they would be required to give. Oh, that's just too much. And lastly, those who have a desire to grow in this area. So, Father, right now, I just pray that these ordinary principles become very easy to apply for every person in this room, every person listening online. That the bondage and the entrapment the lies may be connected to old manipulations, old hurts, generational bondages, spirit of poverty. Maybe a lack of understanding you, God, trusting you, God. Maybe it's father-mother wounds, Lord, that your people are carrying that because their fathers didn't come through, their mothers didn't come through, they don't expect you to come through. We just break the power of that lie right now in Jesus' name. And the lie of, oh, that's just too much. Lord, I pray that you help your people see on the other side that there's so much more that you have for them. And in fact, though they may have a lot, they're actually settling for little. And Lord, I pray that you change hearts to see that the too much is, is really nothing at all. And Father, I pray that you meet each one of these groups right where they are in their level of faith and increase their faith supernaturally, Lord. And I pray for those, lastly, that have a desire to grow in this area, to truly know the will of God on their lives. I ask that you empower them with a measure of grace to apply your word and test you now in this. And so Lord, I just, I just declare your word back as they do. You're opening up the, store, the, the windows of heaven so much blessings, Lord, that they don't have room enough to fill it. Therefore, they're an overflow to blessing others around them who are in need. And they help others find the path to blessing. And not only that, Lord, that you rebuke the devourer. And we just say yes and amen to the devourer being broken over relationships, over marriages, over finances over vehicles, over minds, over emotions, soul wounds. And Lord, we just pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Can we just give God a good amen? Amen to that.